Hey there, my friend, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before we get into the podcast episode today, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, overwhelmsucks.com. Yes, you did hear that correctly, overwhelmsucks.com. Pick up my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. I know that when you're overwhelmed, the last thing you want to do is read a long report, so I intentionally made this free guide simple to read and most importantly to implement so get your free guide 10 quick ways to conquer overwhelm at overwhelmsucks.com brenda wenzel is a co-author of i wish i'd known this six career accelerating secrets for women leaders and she's a managing director of bravante a preeminent firm in the field of leadership development. She is a coach, writer, speaker, and former executive in the financial industry, as well as the U.S. Department of Education. Brenda, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you, Mark, for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Now, i got to get a little disclaimer up front. Even though I just read in the introduction that her she's a co-author of the book, I Wish I'd Known This, Six Career Accelerating Secrets for Women Leaders. If you are a man, I asked Brenda about this right before we started. I said, Brenda, if someone's a man, should they still listen? And what did you tell me? If you are a man, you are not left out of this. What we find, Mark, is that this is an appealing topic to men because they have women that they work with in the workforce. Maybe they're colleagues or peers. Maybe they are coaching or sponsoring other women. And also many of them have, have daughters and, you know, other relatives who are women in the workforce. And this, this gives them a particular point of reference for what are the challenges that they're facing and how can they, how can they be helpful, especially if they are uh, holding a position of some some power in an organization. How do they help pull women up? Because we think the world will be a better place with more women leaders. And that's really what we're about. So men, g- male co- our male colleagues are great supporters in that work. When my daughters were living at home, I had two daughters, a wife and a female dog. So I was really outnumbered. But something I learned about having women in the house, they smell better than boys do. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, a, that was definitely a perk. There's always perfume and stuff around the house. I really like that. They always, women tend to take better care of themselves. I'm a man and I'll say, look, I take good care of myself, but I know a lot of men, they're like, deodorant? What? Showers? Yeah, dude, I've worked with some guys when I worked in the steel factory many, many years ago. And I'm like, have you taken a shower this year? I mean, it's June. I mean, it'd be nice to take a shower. But uh, it's just, I'm just being facetious. Well, you here, were definitely but, uh, outnumbered at home. That's for oh, sure. Yes. So, yeah. And then we got a female dog. I'm like, really? There's no males but me in this house? <laughs> What's going on? Everything was purple and pink. But it's okay. Uh, look, it, if there were no women, there would be no human rights. So I, got, I, I think women and moms, we got to give them more credit. I'm also one of these people that I don't know how this, uh, the listener is going to take this, but I believe that if a woman and the man are going for the same job and the woman gets the job, the woman should get the same pay as the the man was going to get paid. I, I don't, I think I, this, you get paid less because you're a woman. I don't like that. Now, if you can't do the job, that's not what I'm talking about, but I believe that women should make as much money as men. If they have equal qualifications and equal capability, I'm completely on board from, with that because to me, it makes the most sense. Why not? Mark, we think, you know, pay equity is such a, a topic and it's a, compli- topic too. it's a hot topic and it's a complicated one. You know, we all enter the workforce 
at different times with different expertise and and qualifications and things we can contribute. And sometimes we, particularly for women, sometimes our paths are just sort of zigzaggy. You know, we, we don't always have to follow a vertical path through our careers. It's not always straight up. Uh, we, we tend to take more interesting routes because women have other accountabilities in life. You know, maybe it's taking a sidestep to get a new credential, go back to school. Maybe it's a sidestep to have children and begin that journey. Maybe it's a sidestep to take care of aging parents. But anyway, all of these things of coming in and out of workforce do impact, do impact uh, other factors. But beyond the pay piece, we know from the research that women in leadership roles in particular change the game. It's they're more the companies with women in more women than not in leadership tend to be uh, the research says more innovative, more creative, more profitable, more able to handle the risk management pieces of business. And so there are like 23 different factors and women excel in 16 of them. So it's it's clear if you believe the research that we're better we're better when we have a more diverse perspective on leadership teams and that's really what our work is about. How do we get more women in those leadership seats whether it's on an executive team for a for-profit or it's any other organization that that needs that perspective. What you find in a lot of companies is that the workforce itself, you know, the women in the workforce itself can can represent, you know, even more than half of the workforce, but it's when you get into the leadership ranks that that it starts to the game starts to change. And our feeling is, is that once we get 30% of the leadership teams in any particular organization at the leadership table who are women, then the game, the name, the conversation can change. Uh, so as opposed to, if you imagine a boardroom with 10 people around the table and only one of them is a woman, that conversation is is harder. But if you have three out of 10 who have that other perspective, then the conversation can change. And we think that's what's important is the conversation changes and expands and becomes more uh, representative of the company at large or the organization at large. Now, your book that you co-authored, what's, what's your co-author's name? Catherine Heath. Dr. Catherine Heath is my my friend and colleague for many, many years. She's an exceptional researcher and coach. She's been an executive coach as well, like me, for many, many years. Yep. Just wanted to give her a shout out, you She's know, because she helped write out. the book and I'm sure she appreciated it. So the book is called, I Wish I'd Known This, Six Career Accelerating Secrets for Women Leaders. Now, at the end of the show, we're going to tell you how to get the book. But what I want you to do, Brenda, is I want you to pick maybe one or two of those things that you wish you'd known and share them with our audience. Because I, what I want to do is I want people, I want to whet their appetite and go, hmm, this is really interesting. I need to go get the book. So what's your first one? Oh, wow. Well, okay. So near and dear to my heart. And and by the way, Mark, we had fun with this title because we had so many, as you can imagine, so many different ideas for titles for this book. I wish I'd known this came to the surface of the top of the list because first of all, it we did a survey on it and people responded to it. But secondly, Catherine and I, almost every woman we have coached, no matter where they are in the world or what level they are in the C-suite or in the organization or, or what background they came from, when they get to the end of the coaching, when they get to the end of working on these things, they'll in, in, invariably say to us, I wish I'd known this five years ago, <laughs> you know, or I wish I'd had this information 10 years ago or whatever, you know, it would have, it would have made my outcome different. It would have made my path less hard. We all think that though, because you know, I'm 57 in 2005, I was fired from my corporate job and 
I don't know if I would like to know everything I know now back then, because I think going through the process of figuring it out made me the person I am today. I I think if I had all the answers, in other words, if my 57 year old self went back to the day I was fired and told me all these things, I don't know if I'd be for lack of a better word, refined as I am today. So I think there's something to be said of going through a trial and figuring out yourself. It's true. It's experience. That's what it's about. And sometimes we say, don't, don't fight the struggle, just sort of work with it. It does make you better. (laughs) It totally does make you better. What we say about this is not that this would overcome our scar tissue or do away with any other experiences that might help us, but we do say it would have caused us a lot less grief, (laughs) grief (laughs) and frustration if we had gotten on the front end of these. So to your point, there are six of these themes that we that we find have surfaced in our work almost to a point where just about every every woman we've coached at one point of, in time or another has dealt with this. Either this has got them stuck or uh, if they could focus on it in a proactive way, it could help them accelerate faster. And that's really what we think about is how do we get, how do we get women, uh, how do we help them move forward faster you know, without a lot of delay? Because there are times where it can take us two years to get to our goal as opposed to maybe a shorter, more expedient time frame. If only we did a few things smarter or more more deliberately, I'll put it that way. We like to use the word deliberate a lot. So there are six of these and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll share with you my favorite one. We call it reputationality. It's chapter three in the book. Reputationality is a mashup word, reputation and personality. And Mark, you may have heard the you know personal branding concept that has mm-hmm. come really out of the marketing industry around how to package yourself, you know, how to put your how to put yourself together and create value for yourself and differentiate yourself. And so this concept is hugely important. It's hugely important to individuals in in the work workforce, in particular professional spaces. What we've noticed in coaching women though is that often while they get the concept, it feels kind of forced. And they will say things like, listen, I I I, I want to be me. I don't really want to be the package that the company wants me to be. I want to be who I am. And so they're they're looking for something that feels more authentic and more genuine, more real, more more who they are. And so the this chapter is about the importance of distinguishing yourself, both your reputation, your credentials, things you're known for, things you bring value to, and combining that with who you are, your personality, your DNA, your values, you know, your core. And when you put those two things together, what we find with women is it's just a powerful combination. They start to feel genuine, real, and worthy of all of the things that they've done before. And then finding ways to communicate it, it's huge. It's a game changer. We all, we say sometimes that we all have a reputation out there or reputationality out there. We just need to go find out what it is. We, it could be what we want it to be, or it could be something totally different. And I think that's the work here. The work here is about how do I know that I'm putting out in the world what I want to put out in the world? Are people picking it up? And if they're not, what do I need to do different? And when we're mindful of this and when we're proactive about this, it can be a game changer. I, we had, I had one woman, Catherine and I talk about her a lot. I think we even mentioned her in the book that she, we were giving feedback to, to her. We sometimes gather interviews and do feedback and we're sharing the feedback with her. And, you know, it was, she was an extraordinary technician, an extraordinary executioner of the work. And all of these things were great accolades. And she was extremely disturbed to hear the feedback. And when we, stopped and asked her, you know, why are you so 
upset to hear this. She said, what I really wanted to hear is that I'm a strategic thinker and, and a leader and that I'm a great client developer and client you know, strategist. And she said, I don't hear any of that. And so this is what we mean. All of this was good stuff that we were hearing. Uh, for her, it wasn't what she wanted to hear. So that set us about a whole different course of how to work, how, how she could work to create the perspective out there of what she really was and what she wanted everybody to know about her. And it, in, in about six months time to a year, when we kind of redid the interviews for her, she had begun to change that perception. And she had done that by being very deliberate about how she communicated what she did, who she communicated that to. And so this is what we mean when we talk about reputationality. You've got one, you just need to know what it is and if it's the one you want. And if it's not, go about changing it to to make it who you are. Yeah, because we we live in two different worlds. We live in the world of the reputation we think we have, and we think that other people think we have. Exactly. And then there's the reality of what other people think we have. And I think you can't figure this out on your own. You need to go ask some trusted people and say, what would you say my personality is? We've all done that everyone listening to this probably has gone to some coaching or a course or a webinar where the host suggested, go ask your friends and colleagues, mm-hmm. how would you describe me? Now you talk, you mentioned feedback. This is really takes a strong person, especially if they're going to give you feedback, like you uh, gave us in this example, this woman that you're like, oh, really? That's the reputation I have? But you can't get better unless you get quality feedback. If you just live with your proverbial head in the sand and you're like, well, everything's fine. And you're wondering why your business is not doing well or you're not getting promotions at the job because you haven't made that connection. And I think it's really important, even people listening to this conversation, do you know what your reputation is? Go out and ask people. What is my reputation? What are you, Jane Doe, John Doe? Be honest with me. You know, I trust you. We're friends. We're colleagues. Tell me what my reputation is. And don't tell them what you think it is. Just let them tell you. Now, if they don't want to tell you to the face, say, listen, would you write me a letter? Would you send me an email? Send me a text? Because once you know the truth, as they say, the truth will set you free. That's for sure. And you're hitting on this idea of feedback, which we think is an incredible leadership skill women need to build. One one of the things, Mark, we tell women to do is to go, go ask people that they trust. What are three words that describe them? Give me your three words that describe me, Mark, you know, and, and then they, you know, they, sometimes we'll offer those. Sometimes they might have to think about it. But asking for very specific kinds of feedback is really the key. Women and men, I think all of us instinctively are sort of hesitant around hearing from others. And sometimes it's because we don't want to hear what we think we are going to hear. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's because we're we're not sure what to do with it. And what we say in one of the chapters here, it's all about getting a getting a GPS for your for your career. It's about this idea of if you haven't if you if you have a destination and you know what you want to accomplish, then what a GPS does is it system is it tries to help you find the, the best, fastest route to get there. And you can check where you are along the way. And that's really what feedback is, is where am I right now? <laughs> if I really want to be known as the greatest podcaster ever, like you, Mark, 
I might want to check in with some of my you. audience, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then just to see what are my ratings? How am I doing? Where, where do people want to hear more of or less of? What we know from the research about women is we don't get a lot of feedback that's actionable and usable. Oh, that's that's a key word right there, actionable. You're actionable. doing okay. That doesn't help me. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and so we have to ask for it differently. Sometimes we have to say to women, you know, ask very specific what you want to know. Don't ask, how did I do on that presentation? Ask, listen, I was trying to, I was trying to open my presentation with a catchy, succinct, relatable conversation. Tell me how it landed on you. What would your advice be if you were going to do that differently? What would you do? Ask for very, very specific things, not how did I do in that meeting? You have to sort of, <laughs> and you know, we can ask our colleagues and friends. Uh, peer feedback is one of the best, most powerful things you can always ask. I say, we say to women all the time, get a colleague or a friend in that meeting and, and get them to tell you, you know, how did I come across? Did I lose my voice? Did I get interrupted? Did I not get very specific? So to your point, yes, go ask, go ask, find out. I heard from, maybe I was listening to an audiobook or a podcast that a lot of the elite athletes, when they go ask for feedback, I'm talking Tom Brady or like that kind of level player, they will go and, you know, the coach saying, oh, you're doing this well, you're doing this well. He goes, no, no, no. What am I not doing well? Yes. Because Tom Brady's already a great uh, reader of defenses. He's already a great, you know, thrower of the ball. Where am I weak? See, if you're just focusing on how good you are, you may be held back by your weaknesses. So I got to believe the most successful people in the business world, men and women, and in the sports world, they want to know, no, where are my weaknesses? Because that's where you need to focus. I, I reject this whole claim that says, well, if if you have weaknesses, just outsource this and focus on your positive. But I think maybe you should still outsource the weakness, but I think you should still work on improving it. So I think what we should do, and I'd like you to know your idea on this, is ask people, where am I not doing well? So if they're saying, oh, you're so awesome, you're a great speaker, you're a great podcast, you're a great video guy. You're the... No, where am I lacking? Where am I weak? Because if you're just telling me how good I am, I can't improve. Do you agree with that? Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com. I, yes. I mean, any feedback is helpful. Here's one thing I would say, though, Mark, is one thing we've learned from women is that great careers are built on strengths. And so we, what we really want uh, women to get a handle on is what are you good at? What are you, what are your superpowers? What are you really, really strong at here? And how do you play that to your advantage? How do you let those strengths uh, not only help give you lift, but get you out of trouble, get you around problems to your conversation about the sports field? I, I love watching athletes work because if you watch them on the field or on the court or wherever they are, they are in constant conversation with each other down there from play to play, what to watch for, what to do. You know, Brady, for your example, how many times do his strengths get him out of trouble? You watch him scramble in that pocket and get out and throw some crazy, you know, watch Patrick Mahomes. He, <laughs> his strengths get him out of trouble and also take his game to a whole higher level. So mm-hmm. we say, yes, pay attention to the things that are going to derail you. Be very aware of the shadow side of your leadership such that you know what's going to bite you and not land on the world or other people the way you intend. 
and we, we know that happens. We all get fatigued and tired and, you know, this other person shows up sometimes. But so we say really watch for the things that could derail you and make sure they don't. But to the extent return on time invested, a great career is made is built on strengths. Play to your strengths, get those muscles stronger, know what they are. And this is what we find, Mark, with women most often is we don't always know what those strengths are. We think everybody does it. We think that our superpowers are <laughs> table stakes. This is what everybody has. And it's just not true. Most, most women are walking around with just inherent strengths and capabilities and talents that they have not yet even let see the light of day because they think it's nothing so special about what I do. Everybody mm-hmm. does that. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do. And is sometimes we get so focused on what we're really good at. And when you become really good at something, you become complacent because you begin on autopilot. And then if the world shifts and you're still focusing on what you're really good at, it could cause you problems. One of the things I've recently fallen absolutely love in love with is English football, which we call soccer here yeah. in the United States. A friend of mine over in England says, Oh, you gotta, you gotta check out the premier league. And I'm like, ah, I've watched some games. It's kind of boring, but she goes, no, watch the games. And when you watch the games, what you find is they're just like Tom Brady, only they're passing the ball with their feet. And there are some players like the Premier League is the like the top league in England and the best of the best of the best go there. And there's a reason why they're in that league, because they know how to become the best. Now, they do get feedback. They, you know, they make mistakes. Even Tom Brady makes mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. But the thing is, when you make that mistake, do you get the feedback from the coaches or, you know, from a a sports coach or a business coach? You get that feedback. What do you do then? See, I think that's where the crutch comes down right there. Do you like, well, you know, it was this guy's fault or, you know, the sun was in my eyes. Or do you say, oh, okay, well, thank you for telling me that. How can I, how can I not do that again in the future? And I think the people who are most open to feedback are the ones that are going to be better off in the long run than the people who just say, look it, it's not my fault. Cause I don't, I, I can't stand the blame game that drives me nuts. Cause it doesn't solve any th- problem. Really. Right. It solves no problem when you're just blaming other people for your mistakes. You know, one thing we know about highly impactful women leaders is that they are constantly learning. They, they want to learn, they want to know. And so the trick here, I think Mark is to, in the work we pulled through in this book around this chapter on getting a GPS, which is about this topic of feedback. It's, um, it's, you need to, you need to know the sources of the feedback that you want, because I always say all feedback isn't created equal. You want people who number one, know you if possible and see you in action in certain situations. You need to ask them very specific things about what you care about working on. And this, this will start to incrementally give you lift. And you don't have to take it every time. You don't always have to take what you hear. You sort of have to take what you hear and just determine where is that helpful to me? Where is that most advantageous to me? How do I take a strength and apply it in that area to give me greater lift faster? So I, you're, you're hitting on a really important point. And what the skill here is how do you go cultivate feedback? Who do you get it from? How do you get it? How do you use it? How to create a whole new muscle for doing something even better. So that's, that's really what that's about. It's, am I, am I creating the impact around me that I really want? Or is there something I could be doing 
differently or better. And I just challenged the listener today. If it's been a while or maybe never, if you've never gotten feedback, go ask some trusted people in your inner circle and maybe ask them three words that describe you. Ask them to what do you think? What do they think your reputation is? It's going to be kind of scary. It could be kind of humbling. But if you want to grow, you need to get feedback. So I just encourage the listener to go do that. And maybe one or two people, uh, you know, best thing to do is go out to lunch with them or get on the phone call. Texting emails is okay, but I think you should do as last resort because when you know you're able to make the correction. So before we wrap up, is there is there another thing you'd like to share with us uh, of the six? Is there another one you'd like to share with us? I could sit here with you all day, Mark, and talk. I just <laughs> I do want to add on to something that you just said. Sure, I absolutely. Encourage your the listeners here today to go ask for the that input. What's something that you? that you know about me? What are three words that describe me? Be open to it because it might be scary to ask. And almost Mm -hmm. every woman we work with, it's scary to ask. But when you get back, my guess is, Mark, they're going to be surprised with what they get back because it's going to be powerful. It's probably going to be overwhelmingly complimentary in terms of your strengths. You may get one or two things in there that you think that's, that's interesting. I want to work on it. But it could be the biggest confidence booster because we assume these, we, we assume the worst sometimes and we don't always recognize <laughs> our own gifts and our own powers. And this is yep. a great way of having people share them with you. So go ask. I love that. Absolutely. There is a wonderful chapter in here on practicing and preparation mm-hmm. and back to your analogy on sports. And we actually study not just great athletes, but, but performing people in the performing arts. Ah, okay. Stage performance on the stage or on film. And there are so many things that we can learn from real performers and how they craft their game and how they up their game and how they become better. And they are obsessive about how to prepare. And this is something that we don't always translate into the working world and to the professional decisions. I mean, we may prepare for a presentation, but we go deeper into what that looks like in this chapter. And I think that it, when you talk about something that you can do that gives you lift and that can also help you with boundary setting and creating time. And and that's something that women are always looking for is how do I balance everything I have to do? We're not so sure that there is such thing as balance, but we do think this chapter about preparation and practice does help create the space for the things that are most important. And how do you get brutal, relentless with your schedule and with your account, with your accountability so that you can prepare for the ones that are going to require you to perform at your best? And that isn't always on stage. It isn't always in a boardroom. Uh, there are so many informal things we can prepare for. Create, creating and crafting a point of view is one of the biggest ones we coach on. Uh, how do we, how do we come up and out of the day to day and prepare? and practice our perspective about what's what's the most important aspects for our organizations that we serve. So I could sit with you all day, Mark. I could enjoy, I can enjoy this topic with you all day. Every sporting event I've ever watched, whether it was English football, whether it was American football, baseball, basketball, hockey, before the game starts, the players come out, they're shooting the puck around, they're practicing baskets, they're throwing balls, they're running the length of the field, they're preparing for the game. So if they, these highly paid, highly skilled athletes, if they come out to warm up before the game, uh, you think it's kind of important? I mean, I seven days a week I work. I, I love what I do. Every day I'm in personal development every single day. Not 
eh, a couple times a week, every day, because I want to become better. I'm trying to learn how to speak French. So I'm in Duolingo for 30 minutes every day. Mm -hmm. If you want to get better, you've got to be a daily thing. You've got to have, it's not always about business and making money. If you want to be a better human being, I think it's a seven day a week thing. Because if you're just going to say, well, just Monday through Friday, I'll take the weekends off. Well, then you're going to be kind of rusty on Monday and Tuesday. Then when you start getting your groove again by Thursday and Friday and you take the weekend off. So do you agree with me that in order to be the best version of yourself, it's got to be a seven day thing, whether it's reading a book or listening to a podcast or something, you should be doing something to stay in shape emotionally and physically every day. Absolutely. Every moment for us in the corporate arena is uh, an opportunity to perform an informal meeting, an informal opportunity to get your point of view across, to sell an initiative or an idea that you're working on, to gain support for your team, or, you know, the list goes on and on. And we sort of take these things in a normal stride of the week. Uh, We often will coach women who have come out of a meeting of sorts and they feel sort of like they were interrupted or didn't quite accomplish what they needed to get done. And we're like, how did you prepare? What did you do to prepare for that forum, (laughs) that meeting? And it's like, you know, apart from really, apart from getting the data together and running from the last meeting to the next one, yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of opportunity in between that to really get your support lined up, to really understand the headwinds that you might face on the issue, or how do you gain influence other people to support you? How are you actually positioning the challenge? There's so much work that can be done. And yet we think that we're we're doing good to survive the day by getting from one meeting to the next and getting it all done. So this chapter, I think is really, really important. And I I work on it every day. I work on the preparation practice every day. It's just give you such lift and confidence. And I just, if anyone's listening now, just what are you preparing for? What are you practicing for? A real life example, I get a lot of compliments that say, you're, you're a very good conversationalist. And the reason why is I'm well-read. I'm reading books every day. Sometimes I read books outside my comfort zone. And so when I have a conversation, it's not like, oh, nice weather we're having. Oh, the traffic. I can have conversations. That's one of the reasons why people have told me my podcast has taken off because I don't have to prepare for the conversation with you, Brenda, because I'm well-read. And I listen, I'm an active listener and I can have conversation. In the early days, I had to write all my questions down because I didn't know what I was doing. But the more I did it, the more I learned, the more I prepared seven days a week, learning from different topics, from different books, you become prepared. That's why I want to encourage the listener, prepare every day because you never know. You could be at your desk at work and just working along and all of a sudden the boss says, hey, I want you to give your thoughts on the report. And if you're like, Ah, uh, because you're not prepared. You should exactly. always be ready. I always, um, I remember about four years ago, four or five years ago, I was sitting in the National Speakers Association Houston chapter meeting, and they were talking about you got to do all this prepare preparation for your talk and and you know six seven months and your slides and all this stuff. And I remember sitting there and I said, you know, I think you should know your topic so cold that you should be in an audience and the meeting planner comes up and says, Hey, the speaker got abducted by aliens. Who can get a keynote? You don't have your laptop. You don't have your slides. And she'll give up and give a keynote. Well, a lot of my friends in NSA said, Oh, that's not right. Well, one day I'm listening to Gary Vaynerchuk. He was doing a keynote. I saw his keynote on YouTube and he says, you should know your topic so well that you can give a 90 minute keynote with no notice. And I'm like, wow. So, it may not be the most polished presentation, but you should know your stuff. When you when you tell me, oh, I'm an expert at this. Oh, can you come speak tonight? Oh, I need to prepare. What? what? 
you you, uh, you, t- you do research on your topic. You don't know it that well. And so it's good to know that a lot of people feel the way I do, that yes. it may not be the most polished, but if you continue to prepare every day and someone calls and says, hey, no, I know it's last minute, but can you come downtown Houston tonight and give a 90-minute keynote? You shouldn't freak out. You should go, yeah, great, because That's you're prepared. It's Am the I right? confidence. You're saying you're speaking to the confidence that it builds and the ability to what most people think about as being good on their feet. We say there's we're if we're counting on being good on our feet, just think how much better we could be if we put that extra time into. And it's really about knowing your craft. When you know your craft and you want to learn more about your craft, it's a constant just like our our counterparts in the in the sports environment and and performing arts do. They they work that craft and that's what we we think really is advantageous. And Mark, I think to your point, you're you're able to speak on these topics so well. These topics resonate back to where we start where we started. They resonate with men as well. That's a wonderful thing. We we know that it resonates with men on many uh, many or all of these topics, but we also recognize that we established the book based on our patterns and our many hours of working with women. So we 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 can say definitely that these are patterns that women face in their careers. It sounds like many of them are also related to the paths that men are facing as well. So that's a great a great win-win there, but um, we don't want to uh, market it as something that or talk about it as something that is derived from our work with men because while we have coached many, many men, the amount of women we have coached to, to understand these patterns is pretty significant. So. Excellent. Well, before we wrap up, I always like to give the guests an opportunity. If there's anything that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the show that you'd like to share with us, or you can say, no, I think we covered everything. Whatever you like, it's up to you. So is there anything that we didn't cover you want to cover? Well, no, two things, Mark. It's been a delight being your guest. I Number one, I would say, how are you helping empower women today? How are you doing that tomorrow? How are you doing that in, in the breadth of your work? I think all of us could be asking that question. Who are we supporting? And I say this very directly to women. What women are you helping? What women are women helping pull up in organizations or in their career path? It's work we all should be doing. That's number one. What are we doing today to do that? And number two, I hope your next read, Mark, or if maybe it is already that you enjoy the book. I wish I'd known this. And you can find it on Amazon. So I think it's on Amazon. Just Google the title and there it is. And we hope, it, right. uh, we hope it will be of good help to you and your audience. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today. It was a delightful conversation. I always like when I get to bring my new love for English football into the podcast. I love it. And out of the blue, people are going like, what's this guy to do? Listen, I'm in love with English football and <laughs> I, I'm disappointed. We just recorded this yesterday on September 19th. It's the international break week. And I'm like, oh. There's no football for a whole week. What, what am I going to do? And the last week they canceled the games because uh, Queen Elizabeth died. So I had no football, had one match and a week of no football. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, like when you find something you really love and it's they take your, it away from you. It's, it's a like, drought. <laughs> You're having a drought, Mark. I hope it gets better for you. <laughs> oh, it, it will. It will. Brenda, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. I hope you have a great day. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really appreciate your time and attention. Before you go, I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you have not subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player of choice, would you do that right now? This way, every time a new episode comes out, you will be informed. Second thing is, while you are subscribing, please consider leading a rating and a review. This helps the podcast get discovered. And the third thing, I know I'm asking a lot of you, the third thing is, if you know of someone who can use this episode right now, why don't you just share it with them? Every podcast player that I'm aware of makes it really easy to share an episode. So if you're thinking of a family, a colleague, a neighbor, a friend who needs to hear this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send this podcast to them right away so I can help them like I helped you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back real soon with a brand new episode.